When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wednesday, May 20th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and soon I'll be joined by today's special guest, Anthony Kastrovitz of MLB.com, the author of a new book on baseball analytics. And Anthony uh, is a guy you might remember him as the uh, one-time Indians beat writer for MLB.com. He's since moved to sort of a, a national perspective. He also contributes on MLB Network. You can see him on their morning show there um, with uh, Mark DeRosa, Lauren Shahadi, and uh, Robert Flores, I believe. And really, Anthony's a great guy. He's a, he's a big Bruce Springsteen fan and probably uh, one of the best guys, snappiest comebacks and puns on Twitter you will ever see. So uh, can't wait to get into some of this uh, number crunching and uh, sabermetrics and analytics, all this alphabet soup of these uh, advanced stats that we try to make sense of here on, on, the, on the writing end of things to, to sort of let our readers know uh, how, uh, how players are, are being analyzed and, and critiqued by teams and by front offices. So when we come back, we'll be joined by Anthony Kastrovitz of MLB.com here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. And we're joined now by MLB Network contributor Anthony Kastrovitz. Uh, many of you know him as the one-time uh, MLB.com Indians beat writer or as an author. He's written a couple of books. His new book is entitled A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics, Why War, Whip, Woba, and Other Advanced Sabermetrics Are Essential to Understanding Modern Baseball. <sighs> I got a mouthful. I got it all in there, right? Yeah, right. Uh, he's also a, a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and the author of some of the best puns I've ever read on Twitter. Uh, Anthony, good to talk to you. Uh, how how things been going since uh, since March 12th, since the quarantine started? You mean a, a year ago on March 12th? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We're you know we're hanging in here, uh, just bunkered down with uh, my wife and kids, and trying to keep each other sane and, and not drive each other insane. You know how it is. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild to think that it really wasn't that long ago on the calendar that, uh, you know, I was at baseball games. That's, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that feels unfathomable right now. Um, and, and just the experience of, of watching this thing progress in spring training from something that was kind of in the news to something that was very much front of mind and, and right in front of your face. Uh, it, it, it's, it's one for the books. That's for sure. With, uh, you said you were there out in spring training. You saw sort of this whole thing develop, and you saw it coming. Uh, 
how much farther away do, do actual games right now feel considering all the developments with the, the release of the, the news about the protocols that, that yeah. the players are going to have to go through and still the, the, the battles to come over, over salary and compensation. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's obviously uh, gotten the most bandwidth occupied. The most bandwidth is the fight over money because it's naturally attractive uh, fights about money. Uh, and um, in terms of public interest and public discourse, uh, of course, it's not attractive in the sense of this is no time to be fighting over billions of dollars uh, when, when so many people are unemployed. So it's an ugly look. And but but really, I mean, it's still the virus. And as you said, the protocols that uh, give me the greater pause in terms of you know being confident that they can stage a, a baseball season here in 2020 or any sporting season here in 2020 uh, involving team sports, just because. You saw and those protocols are pretty intense. Now, granted, those are guidelines, and we all know that uh, people flout guidelines. We, you can see it in the stores right now. You can see it on the streets right now. Um, but you think about no high fives and no showering. You know, go go take a few rounds of BP uh, in in Washington D.C. in mid July, and then uh, you know sit in your own filth for a couple hours, and then go play a ball game for three and a half hours. And that's that's a crazy thought. Uh, a lot of this stuff is just, it, it's so hard to wrap your mind around. It just goes to show uh, how serious this is and, and how uh, it's almost like a military operation to try to stage a baseball game in a baseball season. So, you know, I hope they can pull it off. And and I and, and getting back to the money issue, I obviously hope they can work that out as well. It's just that's a lot of hurdles to jump in the next couple of weeks if you're going to stage the 82-game season that they're proposing. You know, they would have to have these particulars nailed down in the next two weeks. Uh, actually, a little less than two weeks. So that's that's a lot of, uh, uh, and they have to, you know, work in conjunction with local health officials in all the big league cities and, and big league states. So, you know, that's another element of this as well. So it's a lot in a short time. And maybe if this deal doesn't work out, maybe they can work out some other way to, you know, have baseball competition this year. Maybe a tournament. Uh, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I just hope there's something. We all do, but uh, you know, this virus uh, doesn't seem to care. <laughs> about our desires for sporting events. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the the clock is definitely ticking. You talk about that window uh, in, in order to try and, you know, get some sort of spring training or a ramp up to, to, to games before and it, starting in, in maybe June and then, you know, games beginning around that uh, that July 4th holiday, uh, first first weekend in, in July sort of uh, target for, for opening day. Uh, do you think an 82 game schedule would be, you know, is that enough? Is that worth it? Is that, is that worth, you know, doing all this for? Honestly, I, I think uh, any semblance of a season is worth doing. I, I mentioned a tournament. I mean, if, if all you could do was a mm-hmm. 30 team tournament, it would actually be kind of fun. Right. Um, you'd probably stage a pretty cool uh, tournament over this span of, you know, a month and a half, two months, but I, that's none of this. Everything is is coming from the premise of this is going to be a suboptimal situation no matter what. And we're going to look at 2020 in the record books, which they matter more in baseball than in any other sport, uh, the record books. And Mm -hmm. we're always comparing errors and all that. And and 2020 is always going to be an outlier no matter what, you know, shape it takes uh, or if it takes no shape at all, obviously. Um, 82 is about the best you can hope for at this point. And and half a season, you know, that at least that sounds like Mm -hmm. something like, well, they got half in. Uh, you have to take the glass half full approach, I guess. But, um, but yeah, if it's if it's short of that, look, man. I mean, to me, it's all gravy at this point. I I, I come in with no expectation of a season, just more hope of a season. And and again, even if it's just a, you know, you know, throw your throw your best out there for a couple months and and try to make that work, that, that would be better than nothing. 
Well, and here you are. You've just written a book about uh, you know statistics that are based on a 162 game schedule. <laughs> you know uh, how much of how much of the information that you're putting out there now uh, in this book is it has to be sort of adjusted in the thought process. If they don't play 162 games, how does that impact all of this alphabet soup of uh, statistics and sabermetrics that you're throwing out there as as uh, you know sort of the new way to look at things? Well, for a lot of them, it actually holds up well just because they're rate stats. And, uh, and if anything, uh, a season like this, if you had, say, half a season, um, it, it would make it all the more important to compare players by rate stats as opposed to counting stats because, obviously, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to hit 50 home runs in an 80-game season. That would be impressive. Unless, unless they really do something in the baseball, yeah. Then you'd really have to juice that baseball. But, uh, no, so I think it's, you know, I, I think we've – all had you know you and I covering baseball we've all had to adapt to the more modern math or as I call them the nerdy numbers and and this book is really a you know a non-nerds guide to those nerdy numbers written by someone who has you know covered baseball uh, for MLB.com for 16 years now and in that span has seen the game change tremendously and has had his writing change tremendously as a result you know I like everyone else I cited batting average and home runs and RBI when I first got into baseball writing and, and was more interested in the, in the story than the stats. But, you know, obviously many times the, the stats help tell the story. And if you're just using the old numbers, they don't necessarily do a good enough job of telling that story. So mm-hmm. there's, there's better ways to convey these things. And um, but yeah, something like OPS plus or weighted runs created plus or ERA plus probably all the more valuable in a, uh, in an obscure season like this, <laughs> if you right. had half a season and, because they, they compare you to the league average at that time, you know, and it's not about comparing you to, uh, you know, a standard season, uh, just a 2000 season or whatever, um, just to pull one out of a hat. Um, you're compared to your own era and your own context, and that's probably more important than ever in a season like this. Right. Uh, you know, some of the old school guys or, you know, some of the fans who are, are sort of dragging their heels, uh, you know, kicking and screaming into this sort of thing, they hear – uh, stats like war or uh, or FIP or WOBA or any of yeah. that stuff quoted in a story, and you know that's when we get the that's when we get the emails that say just tell us you know who did what. Uh, how how has it been just sort of you know assimilating your readership into that, or or, or are the yeah. people who read your stuff actually looking for those those statistics quoted in your in your stories? Yeah, and it's uh, for MLB.com, you know, our audience is so wide. Um, you get the casual fans and you get the, you know, super, uh, you, you get all ages. You get you get folks who have grown up with, in, in a sense, wins above replacement. You mm-hmm. get folks who have watched baseball for 50, 60 years and know nothing about wins above replacement. So it's, it's tricky to write for such a wide audience. And uh, I, I opened the book by telling the story of, of writing about an MVP race in, in 2018 and I wrote a piece that was really weighted more in the you know more modern numbers, you know, using WAR and using OPS Plus. And I got an email from a reader who said this was this article was nauseating because nobody knows what this stuff means. And that's not true, of course. But he did have a point in that I didn't do a good enough job, you know, even if it was taking a paragraph to try to put in context what these numbers mean before I start citing them. You know, that would have been to the benefit of the reader. And, and sometimes I think it's easy to just because you've learned what something means to assume that everyone reading you knows what it means as well. And it's just not the case. So, right. you know, we can we can link to things and stories that point people to a glossary and and that can be helpful. 
Um, I hope this book is helpful. I, I, I wrote it so that'd be an easy, handy reference point. So if you hear something referenced, boom, you can turn to the book. There's an easy definition. There's a chart that shows you what is good, what is bad. You know, what is a good WOBA? What is a bad WOBA? I think these stats are certainly clunky uh, in, in terms of what they're named and uh, <laughs> silly in many cases and what they're named. And that's easy to mock. It makes it easy to mock them or, or to not want to pay attention to them. But again, I, I think if you really delve into what they are trying to convey and the context they're conveying, I really think they're helpful. And I, I think they can be fun too. I think it's, it makes it better to compare players from different eras because you can do that in a, in a, in a fairer way. You know, I mean, an OPS uh, of 800 in uh, the 2000 season is a lot different than an OPS of 800 in the 1968 season, you know, before the mound was lowered, it's just different. So, uh, you know, we have better ways to compare eras with these uh, analytics and that, that can make for some fun debates too. All right. Uh, we asked our uh, readers and subscribers on subtext, Indian subtext. Uh, you can subscribe uh, on clue.com slash subtext, uh, $3.99 a month. Uh, it's a great service to, to talk back and forth myself and Hoynesy via text. Uh, the fans and the readers and listeners on, on subtext submitted some questions knowing that you were going to be on, uh, knowing that you've, you've written this book. Uh, and uh, here's one from a reader in the uh, the Toledo area code, I believe. Uh, from a fan trying to wrap his head around analytics, what are the three most important, quote unquote, new stats to understand? And how do we know what a good number is for each? And I would, I would preface that by saying just read the book. I mean, basically... <laughs> They're, they're free advertising there, but, uh, yeah. you know, just can you pull maybe three of the, the new generation sure. stats that are, are the most important to you? Yeah, for me, so as a writer, so if I want to know what kind of offensive season a guy is having, I'll look at his weighted runs created plus. That's available on fangraphs.com. Uh, an alternative to that is OPS plus on baseball reference. They're, they're two variations of the same thing. Just weighted runs created plus has a little better inputs. Um, but you know, many times the numbers are going to be very similar. And what they do is relate things to a league average, league average being 100. So if you're, you have a 120 weighted runs created plus or OPS plus, you're 20% better than league average. That's telling me something right there. Um, and if you're below 100, you're probably not having that good of an offensive season. And it takes everything into account. It's not just, you know, singles, doubles, triples. It's, it's also uh, what you contribute on the base pass. So all, that, all that helps and, and rolls into how you're helping your team score runs. Uh, and then for pitchers, same thing. ERA plus does a variation of the same thing. It's taking ERA, it's scaling it to the league average. Uh, it's taking, and, and all of these are taking the ballpark uh, context into account. You know, mm -hmm. different ballparks play differently. Yankee Stadium plays a lot different than Oakland Coliseum. Uh, plays a different than Coors Field, obviously. So, um, so those are all very helpful for me, and, and they give me just it's a good go-to gauge for what kind of year that guy's having relative to league average. And of course, wins above replacement. It's not perfect. Nobody's claiming it's perfect, or at least they shouldn't be. And it can be confusing because it's hard to explain to people what replacement means and all that. But uh, at the end of the day, it is pretty simple of boiling a guy's entire contributions offensively and defensively uh, into a single number, which again, that is not, it's not easily done. And it probably overstates defense in many cases. And there's two, there's, there's several different calculations for war and that can be confusing, but I explain in the book why, it's become so influential uh, in front offices all have their own variation of war as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's not the best. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best we can do. It's, it's not perfect. It never will be. And we'll probably never have one perfect metric. But um, if, if you tell me a guy's having a five war season, 
he's having a pretty good season. You know, it might not, you might be able to quibble with some elements of that, but he's probably having a pretty good season. So, and again, I have charts for all of this stuff in the book, if you want to know what is good and what is not so good. Right. And it does, you know, the war does sort of make that, give you one number to sort of go by and, and yeah. sort of indicate. It's a starting point, you know, I mean, you right. can go from there and, but it's, it's certainly a great starting point. I just love, I, I turn on MLB Network and, and Brian Kenny gives the same, the same, you know, sort of preface every time he goes, oh, I know that war is not perfect. I know that war is not the, the best. Okay. We, we continue to quote this stat that we know isn't perfect. It, it, and yet it's the best that we've got. And, and yeah. it, it's fun to do. Uh, let's take another question here. Um, this is a, a guy wants to know about how analytics has changed minor league instruction. Uh, so maybe not necessarily, you know, the, the the stuff that we get from StatCast because those guys yeah. aren't on the StatCast yet. But uh, how has it sort of trickled down and inter- influenced minor league instruction? Are the are the players coached to avoid identifiable tendencies, particularly hitters, uh, or does that come later on when they get to the big leagues? Well, I, first, I mean, you mentioned StatCast, and there's, I mean, StatCast is changing the, the the ability to have you know Doppler radar tracking players' movements and all that that's only going to grow at the minor league level uh, and at the amateur level and totally influence the way players are sorted out and, and uh, you know, chosen, selected, and, and then developed beyond that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the original analytics, as it were, the advanced analytics, that, that's, that's played a role as well. And, you know, different organizations prioritize different things. And, and we've seen, you know, you go back to the Moneyball revolution where was, that was so, uh, geared towards on-base percentage. You know, it's something that organization valued and other organizations have valued. Um, it's just a, a different way to analyze seasons to where I think obviously batting average for an offensive player used to be such a guiding force and, and players really hunted batting average. You know, that was, that was at the forefront of their minds at all times, their batting average going up and down. But, but now we have metrics to show, uh, you know, that there's just better ways to measure your offensive contributions. There's, there's better things to hunt, so to speak. Um, StatCast has influenced at the major league level, the expected outcomes, which have become uh, more prevalent. So here's what your slugging percentage is. Here's what it should be based on how hard you're hitting the ball. Um, we, it, that's not quite as uh, you know, nuanced at the minor league level, but um, I'm sure every organization has its own internal means of measuring such things, hard hit percentage. Uh, to go with you know walk percentage. I mean, these are the things that they're looking at more than a batting average or even just an OPS. Um, you know, they're looking at the nuance behind the numbers. All right, how, how hard is this guy hitting the ball? How consistently is he hitting the ball hard? Uh, how how often is he drawing walks? All all those things uh, play into you know a, a guy's capability of of making it at the next level. Right. You you mentioned uh, you know teams have uh, judging batters on OPS, and every time somebody talks about OPS and, and getting on on base percentage and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, I just, my mind goes back to uh, the movie Moneyball and Chris Pratt playing Scott Hatterberg and, and Brad Pitt just saying, what, what does he do? He gets on base. He right. gets on, and, and that's, I just sort of, all of these, these analytics and the, the, the meetings with scouts and all that kind of stuff, it all boils down to, in my mind, that meeting between Brad Pitt and his, uh, his team of scouts and that, in that movie, uh, it just sort of sets the whole, arranges the whole thing in my mind, you know, perfectly for, for what we're trying to uh, communicate here. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, um, more than a few years ago, when the, when the Reds had Joey Votto and, and Shinsu Chu, you know, when the Indians traded Chu to Cincinnati, uh, those guys were, 
uh, both in the top three, I believe, uh, in, in on-base percentage or top five or something. It's in the book, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, that story is in the book where I'm, I'm talking to Dusty Baker, uh, and there was always frustration at that time with Joey Votto not driving in enough runs and that sort of thing. But really, that was a product of what he had around him. And, and him and Chu were really getting on base at a historic pace for, for teammates in the upper third of the lineup. And, um, and, and Dusty said, uh, you know, it's called hitting, not walking. And I wanted to say, well, it's also called baseball and you want to get on base. So, um, you know, batting average only reflects half of potential outcomes in a plate appearance, whereas, you know, at least on base percentages, it's showing you how often you get on base, which is really the point to driving runs is to generate traffic and, and create those opportunities. So, so you didn't say that to Dusty? You kept, it, you kept that one to yourself? Right? No, I respect Dusty too much. Yeah, very, they're very good. All right, last question uh, I, I want to throw in here, and this seems more of a theoretical one. You know, we're looking at uh, playing games uh, in, in July or, or after that with, with no, no fans in the stands, and that's going to create a whole separate, you know, variation on the game and, and whatnot. Uh, this guy submitted a question asking, what do you think of the idea of pumping in crowd noise to con- and controlling the volume based on the leverage index of the play? Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we see leverage index. Uh, I, I see it on Baseball Reference. Uh, they're, they're neat little charts and graphs or how influential or how important a play was uh, to the outcome of the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's knowable before a pitch, though. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's something that could that you can, can be – It's interesting because you, you could obviously have a sense of, you know, what feels like a big moment, you know, and runners on right. base, runners in scoring position in a tie game, whatever. Um, and it's funny. I think when you say that, I think of uh, when the Indians were, uh, you know, well out in front um, and, uh, you know, waiting uh, for, for the playoffs to start and, and played a game with pumped in noise at progressive field a couple of years back and just right. trying to keep themselves uh, in that mode and in that mindset prior to facing the Astros uh, in 2018. And then uh, got to minute made park and uh, didn't go so well, I guess you can only simulate so much, but well, um, it, it's harder. It's harder when the guys that you're running out there to play defense are Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and, uh, a little different, uh, a little different than Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa. Yeah. And Jose Altuve. Um, Hey, it's, I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I think of that from the perspective of, um, you know, calling, uh, think of a game calling behind the plate. Um, I don't know. I, it really, it really changes a lot of the dynamics of how the game is played. If there's no noise whatsoever, uh, the Orioles had a game a couple of years ago, where it's a, you know, an unfortunate situation in downtown Baltimore and they, they played a game with no fans. And, but to do that on a, on a, a full season, as it were, which mm-hmm. half a season, full season, um, it, it does change dynamics, uh, you know, that, that interaction. And it, it's a lot to think, but there's, there's so many elements to think about. And some of them probably won't even be thought about until you're in the moment where this is a different game, right? This is mm-hmm. a different game when you can't, when you have to follow these protocols and have no crowd. So I kind of like that idea of pumping in some noise. I don't know if teams would, would follow that or if people would find it cheesy, but you know, again, we, we saw it here at Progressive Field a couple years back. It was kind of cool. Um, you know, it, it was they, they did their best they could to simulate the ballpark experience, and it was kind of cool. Well, it's just Tito just loathes inter-squad games so much that, yeah. that he wanted to, to, to mix it up and, and change it up in some way, and I guess that's one way to do it. Another yeah. way is to have, you know, Anthony Castrovin's cardboard cutouts behind the dugout so that right. it right. doesn't look like you're pitching to empty seats or behind the, the backstop, I guess. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can get, uh, you know, a whole fleet of, uh, Castro cutouts and, and put them back there. Uh, 
Yeah, I think this guy uh, submitted that question just because he wanted to flex his, his muscles and say he knew what leverage index was. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was kind of impressed. Maybe you read the book already. Good enough. Yeah, it's, it's possible that he's already – it's been on the shelves for what? You know, what, five days now? Uh, uh, yeah, about a week, week now. So. so, yeah, you got about time to digest it. We, we all have more reading time, it seems, unless you have kids in the house like well, I do, and then you can't get more than a few pages in at a time. Well, so when you retreat – during this, this isolation, during this quarantine, when you retreat – do you just, you know, uh, lock yourself in the office and, and turn on the boss and, and, you know, go at it? What, what's, uh, what's your deal? Some days, yeah, if they'll let me. They, they, they usually know if the door is closed, uh, you know, that daddy's working. But uh, now sometimes they, they don't care. They barge right in. And my office uh, becomes a de facto playroom more often than not. So uh, that's part of it as well. My wife and I both work from home uh, predominantly anyway. So this, this hasn't been much different for us, really. It's just that you know, they're here all the time, <laughs> no school, nothing, nothing like that. So, uh, so that's an adjustment, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're used to us, uh, you know, having to take shifts and, and work here and there where we can and, and do the best we can. Now, you know, with, with games, you know, missing the beginning of the season, the start of the season being pushed back, what, what are you missing about being at the ballpark? What aspects of that, you know, coming to games on a regular basis or semi-regular basis like yeah. you do now, are, are you missing it? Is, is it, hanging out with the people is it seeing them is something else what what do you miss the most i mean just human interaction in general not just even work related but just human interaction in general <laughs> is, is definitely uh lacking right now and um you know I, the, the thing i love uh, baseball is such a great community and, and you you just deal with so many great people and interesting people with interesting stories and you, you deal with people from all over the globe um and just it, it really helps you grow as a person and and just uh, become a more well-rounded person and um, and I just miss that time I, I miss pregame you know the games are great don't get me wrong and you know seeing fans out and all that, that that'll all be great whenever that day comes but uh, just for me you asked me about me personally and my job that's that's what I miss the most just pregame interactions and just you know shooting the breeze with, with someone in the dugout uh, during batting practice whatever it is uh, you know a coach or a player or a fellow media member whatever it happens to be whoever happens to be milling around that day um, you know that, that's definitely what I miss the most. All right Anthony Kastervins from MLB.com the author of the the new book A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics Why War Whip Woba and Other Advanced Sabermetrics are Essential to the Understanding of modern baseball again that's a that's a mouthful but uh yeah. a great title it tells you exactly what to what you're looking for on the shelf there anthony continued success and and you know hope uh, hope you sell a million copies of this book because uh that that if you sell a million copies of this book it makes my job easier right. because i yeah. can start you know just throwing yep. these these stats in there and and people actually understand it so, yeah, it's, we all we all should have a rooting interest in that. And uh, next time I get an angry email about some stat, I'll say, "Well, you should have read the book. It's your own fault." <laughs> no? That's great, Anthony. Thanks so much for the the time today uh, and and for joining us here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. 